Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn into a Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna bounce around a couple of different places tonight. Um, but so last night or last week, uh, last Wednesday night when we met, uh, we started off this new series that we're gonna basically just call Christ. You know who He is and why we should care. Um, what we're talking about each week is who is Jesus? Why should I care about Jesus? Um, what What does it matter to me? Uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus, his characteristics, people he came into contact with, um, kind of see who Jesus is throughout the Bible. Uh, and so last week we kind of started on a broad, wide topic um, uh, that the entire Bible is actually God's story, um, is, is the story of Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus saying that Jesus was present in the Garden of Eden and Jesus is still present to this day, that he was there with God because the Word is God, the Word is Jesus, Jesus is God, so he was there um, every point in the Bible. Uh, so that's what we talked about last week, that the Bible is Jesus' story. Um, so tonight what we're going to talk about, uh, we're actually going to talk about uh, that the uh, the Bible is Jesus's story, uh, but tonight we're going to talk about that Jesus pulls us into that story with Him, um, and so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter six tonight. But I kind of want to back up to the new uh, to the Old Testament real quick uh, and kind of just take a look at what it looked like before Jesus came. Um, in the Old Testament, I think it's awesome. The Old Testament, uh, I said He was there, present throughout all of creation. The Old Testament predicted Jesus' birth, predicted Jesus coming for hundreds and thousands of years long before ever Jesus ever showed up on earth. Uh, it, you know, researchers say that uh, there's about almost 300 different prophecies, uh, different signs in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus' coming before he ever got here. 300 different times. If you look in your Bible, uh, that's a lot. 300 in the Old Testament, you know, depending on how thick your Bible is, 300 different sections talking about Jesus coming. First off, it paints how important it is that Jesus is coming, uh, but it also lays out guidelines for people to be able to see and know and understand who Jesus is when he comes. Because the people of the Old Testament of Israel had been waiting for a Savior for hundreds and thousands of years to come and fix what was broken uh, with the world with sin. Um, to kind of save their people uh, from a lot of oppression that they were seeking. So they needed signs. They needed things to know uh, to expect Jesus. They needed to know who the Messiah was, who the Savior was, so that they wouldn't end up worshiping the wrong guy. Uh, and so there's 300 different things, and that that's a lot. I mean, some of them you might know that he would be born of a virgin, uh, that he would be from the line of King David, very specific things specific things that had to line up uh, for them to know about who Jesus was. Uh, but the cool thing is, is Jesus is the impossible. He can fulfill all of those things, 300 individual things to point to who Jesus is. He fulfilled every single one of them, uh, which is just absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, but another cool thing about those Old, Tes um, Old Testament prophecies that I want us to remember, because this is going to come into play uh, here in a little bit in Ephesians chapter 6, um, is that those Old, uh, Old Testament prophecies in the birth of Jesus actually took a lot of things that seemed incon uh, insignificant uh, or unknown or not really that important at the time and created significance in them. It made them significant. It made them important. Uh, think about Mary and Joseph. Uh, both of those were just, you know, they were just uh, two teenage kids falling in love and they were about to get married and, uh, and they were just, they were just normal people. They weren't special. They weren't royalty. They weren't priests or anything like that. Uh, but 
God chose Mary and Joseph to be the birth parents of Jesus, uh, to watch out for him, to protect him, to help him grow up, uh, to teach him about their culture and things like that. Uh, and so he took these two unassuming uh, young people and made them the parents of the Savior of the world. Uh, and also think about Bethlehem as well. Uh, Bethlehem was this absolutely nowhere backwater town. I mean, I know that's kind of hard to understand because a lot of us from Dallas and Plano, um, you know, there's like a million red lights and there's like millions of people out there. Uh, Bethlehem was not that way. There was like one red light that every camel had to stop at. There was uh, one roadside motel that never had room in the end. Hey, Christmas joke, Casey, where you at? Christmas joke. There's no room in the end ever. Uh, you know, there's just random little town uh, that Mary and Joseph had to go to uh, to actually be the birthplace of Jesus. Random town, no significance whatsoever, but it became the birthplace of Jesus. Um, and so I want y'all to remember this because, again, it's going to come into play here in just a little bit as we're talking tonight, uh, that sometimes God, or not sometimes, God always takes the insignificant uh, or the things that seem unimportant, the people and the places that seem unimportant or that nobody knows about, and long before they actually uh, come into being known, uh, they have a purpose. God puts a purpose and a plan in place for that person or that place long before we ever realize what that is. So remember that. That is going to come back into play here in a little bit. Um, and so, again, as we're diving into this series, we're going to keep asking the question every single week, why does, why does any of this matter? Why should I know Jesus? Why should I learn more about him? Uh, why is it important for us to dig into our Bible and learn more about Jesus week in and week out? Uh, and honestly, this is the reason. Because the more we dig into the Bible, the more we dig into God's Word, the more we are going to love God, the more we are going to trust God, the more we learn about Him, the more we know that He's He's got this. He can handle this. He's got the power to do all of these great, incredible things throughout all of history that's no different than today. God has that power and can do those same things today uh, here in our world, just like he did back then. So the more we learn about God, the more we learn about Jesus, the more we start to trust him, the more, uh, the more his plans, his will starts to matter for us in our life. Um, and so we're actually going to jump into Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn into Ephesians chapter 6 right now. Ephesians in the New Testament. Uh, it's past the Gospels, past Acts and Romans. Uh, we start to get into all of Paul's different letters that he's writing to the different churches uh, all around the area. So look up Ephesians. No, uh, no judgments if you look up the table of contents at the beginning of the Bible. I still do it, so don't feel bad about doing that. Just jump into Ephesians chapter 6. Um, and once you get there, we're going to be in verse 12 through 13. Ephesians 6. Uh, verses 12 through 13. So I'll give you all another half a second to find it, and then we're going to start reading. Ephesians 6, uh, verses 12 and 13. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Uh, I'm going to read that again. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Um, so, as we jump into Ephesians 6, 
Um, again, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesian people, uh, a new church, new Christians, kind of building them up in the Bible. But uh, one thing that he says for them uh, is true for us right now is that we are currently in a spiritual war. Uh, we're not fighting with the people around us, uh, but we're fighting unseen forces, unseen things that want us to do nothing more than fail. And if you don't know who that is, then that's Satan. Satan and all of his minions want nothing more for us uh, than to pull us away from God. Uh, he started that battle back in the Garden of Eden like we talked about last week with uh, tempting Adam and Eve uh, and bringing in sin into the, into the world. Uh, that's what Satan wants for us. He wants to break us away um, from God. So our struggle, our, our battle right now is not against flesh and blood. It's, against, it's good versus evil. Um, God being the side that's good and Satan being the side that's evil. Um, and so the f two things I think we really need to pull out of this passage, two major things. So if you're taking notes, this is point number one for Ephesians chapter six. Uh, Paul's talking about a spiritual warfare. The first thing to write down is that God has put you into his story. So last week we talked about the Bible is the story of Jesus. God puts you into that story. He puts you into the story of Jesus. You're already a part of it. Uh, you're a big part of that story. Um, remember what I said earlier that it's going to come back into play, that God takes um, unassuming people. He takes places. Uh, he takes things and gives it purpose um, even before you realize it. That is no different uh, from each one of you students, parents, anybody that's watching. God has put a plan and a purpose into action for you and your life and for your family. And guess what? You are already in the middle of it. I loved what uh, one, I heard one speaker say at a conference one time. Uh, it said, your eternity starts today. I'm going to say that again because that's still mind-boggling to me. Your eternity starts today. What happens for the rest of your eternity is already at play right now. You are already in God's story. You are already in the spiritual warfare. Uh, every time you talk to somebody about Jesus, you are fighting for God. Every time uh, you share the love of Christ with somebody that's around you, with, uh, with a friend, uh, with, with somebody taking your order at a restaurant, you are fighting God's battle. You are fighting in his mission. We are already in the middle of this. God has chosen you and put you into his story. He's already put you at work into it. And so we have to be mindful of that. So every decision, everything that we say, everything that we do uh, plays to the greater glory of God. Uh, so we need to remember that tonight. You are a part of God's story. You are already a part of what God is doing here on this earth. Um, all right, second point. So the first point, y'all remember what it is? God puts you into his story. The Bible is about Jesus. The Bible is Jesus' story. God has placed you into that story. And then the second thing I want you to write down tonight uh, is that Satan does not have the power to break God's story. I'll say that again. Satan does not have the power to break God's story. Um, I think we need to remember that. Um, Satan is not more powerful than God. Uh, Satan cannot make you do anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again. 
And I'm hoping my internet doesn't go out because that's something like Satan would do is just make all this stuff crash. But Satan cannot make you do anything. Satan is not more powerful than God. Uh, What Satan does is he tempts you. He entices you to go break apart from God and do the things that God doesn't want you to do. Uh, let's back up to Genesis. We keep backing up to the, you know when sin first entered the world. Um, the Bible doesn't say that Satan force-fed Adam and Eve the bad fruit and made them sin. He didn't force-feed them to do that. He didn't slip it into Eve's fruit and yogurt parfait that she was starting the morning off and like, ha-ha, I made you sin. That's not, that's not at all. Satan can't force you to do anything. But what he can do is he can tempt you. He can entice you to do the things that God doesn't want you to do. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He enticed them. He tricked them thinking that they knew better than what God was telling them to do. So, But hear me when I say that. Satan does not have power over you. He does not have power over God. God when you accept Christ as your Savior, God places his power, his almighty, all-reaching, all-incredible power. He places that inside of you uh, so that you can resist Satan. You can resist that temptation. You have the power of God on your side. You know, we uh, it says in the book of Romans, if our God is for us, who can be against us? That's saying when God has placed his power in you, when God is watching over you and protecting you, Satan can't do anything about it. He can try to throw sticks and stones at you. He can try to trip you up, but he, ha- he doesn't have the power to do that. He can only tempt you um, to break apart from God. Um, so we fight a battle between good and evil. We fight this, this, uh, these unseen forces, Satan trying to trip us up. Um, but the cool thing is, like I said, God places his power in you and he is always there with you. Uh, he places his power in you and he is always there with you. Uh, I wrote down Isaiah chapter uh, 49. It, it talks about, uh, can a mother forget her newborn child? Absolutely not. Uh, and even more so, I, your God, will not forget you. I love that analogy of like um, a screaming baby. Uh, you know, as a parent of a two-year-old, if my kid's screaming and like, Dad, I need something, you know, I'm going to run to her and see what's wrong. I'm going to check on her and see what see what she needs. What can I do? What can I, as a dad, fix uh, for her? God is the same way, but a million-fold more. Uh, he won't let us down. He won't let us fail. He is always going to be there with us. He will never turn away. Just like a mother would not turn away from her screaming, needy child, God will not turn away from us. He's there with you. He's been there with you, and he will always be there with you. And I think it. Uh, I think right now it's really easy for us to forget that. Uh, I think it's real easy for us to forget that God's with us and for us just to feel alone. You know, right now we're all separated. Uh, we're all in our different houses. Uh, we're separated from our friends. We're separated uh, from our church. We're separated from each other in the student ministry. Uh, and it's easy to kind of forget that you're not alone. You know, when you're just sitting at your house by yourself, it's easy to forget that you're not alone. It's easy to feel like you're in this by yourself, but, uh, but you're not, you're not alone. We're here with you, but even more so God is here with you. I want you to hear me when I say this, you are never alone, that God is always, 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 I'm going to keep saying it over and over, always, 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 
always with you. That will never change. No matter what you do in the past, what you do in the present, in the future, God will never leave you. Jesus will never leave you. He is always going to be there uh, to love on you and to protect you and walk with you. Um, He's watching over you right now. He's watching over me right now and my family in the other room. He's with all of us right now. Uh, When no one else is there, when, when it doesn't feel like anybody else is there, God is there. Uh, God is listening to you. Uh, when you feel like there's nowhere left to turn or no one left to uh, hear what you're saying or your needs, and God, God is there. He's with you right now. Um, and so I know we've kind of done this big arc of the Bible talked about Jesus before he was there and uh, and the fact that we are now in Jesus' story. And it's like, how does all that, how, do, how does all that connect? What it, What is all that what does all that mean? Why does it make sense? And again, why does it matter that the Bible tells us about a Messiah, a Savior, hundreds and thousands of years before he actually came? Uh, and I want you to remember tonight, this is the biggest thing to remember. Uh, it tells us that a Savior's coming way before he ever comes. Uh, because from the very, very beginning, when we needed a Savior, he was there. When we needed a Savior most, in the very beginning, he was there. When creation was broken in the Garden of Eden, he was there. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, needing needing salvation, he was there. When the disciples were scattered all over uh, the Middle East trying to spread the, uh, spread the message of Christianity to people, Jesus was there. When you're sitting in your house right now, Jesus is right there. Uh, from the minute that your heart breaks for something, Jesus is there with you. The minute you feel alone, lost, hurt, angry, um, happy, afraid, Jesus is there. When you're experiencing the high of the mountaintop or the lowness of the valley, you know, like we've talked about before, that our spiritual walk is like this. So even though we want it to just be this upward trajectory, you know, it's like this. When it's in the highs and when it's in the lows, Jesus is right there. He's right there watching over you, protecting you. Uh, And it doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's sickness, whether it's worry, uh, whether it's anxiety with everything going on, whether it's depression, uh, whether it's, you know, whatever the case may be, that God is still there with you. He always has been there with you. He always will be. Why is it important for us to study uh, about God? Why is it important for us to learn that you know, Jesus was foretold hundreds of years before he came, and we still talk about him now hundreds of years after he left. It's because he never left. He's still here with us. Jesus is right here watching over us. Um, and I want y'all to remember that tonight. Again, it's easy to feel alone right now. It's easy to feel forgotten about. Uh, it's easy to think that you're fighting this battle alone, but you're not. Jesus, God, is there with you putting this armor on, you know, it says in uh, Ephesians chapter six, so put on the full armor of God. He is giving you armor. He is giving you the things, the power that you need to resist Satan, to resist that temptation to go away from God. He is always going to be there with you. So last week we talked about the Bible is a story about Jesus. It's about hope. It's about love that God has for us. This week, 
God has placed you into that story. And not only has he placed you in that story, he's given you power to be a part of that story, to share the message of the gospel with those around you, whether it's digitally now or whether that's in person later on when we're actually able to leave our homes. God has placed you in his story, in his mission, in this spiritual warfare. God has put you with a purpose and a plan for your life um, to be a part of that mission with all of us surrounding you, with God surrounding you and giving you that power. So remember that tonight. You are in God's story right now, and God has given you power to be in that story.